There's a beautiful quote which says, the only limitless potential in the world is human potential. So I believe that people have the inherent tools and a well pool of creativity when you put diverse, eclectic, different minds together. So I see my role very much as catalyzing the first part of this piece to happen. Hello, Grüezi, bonjour. Welcome to Fish in the Boardroom, the podcast where we talk about what we can each do to increase diversity, equity and inclusion in Swiss leadership. I'm Andrea Ullmann and I'm your host on this journey. With all the information and all the talk on diversity, do you ever wonder where we really are in Switzerland and where to get started? To help you answer this question, I've put together some resources. If you visit fishintheboardroom.ch, you'll be able to download this tool and sign up to my newsletter to be notified when new episodes are released. Hi, dear listener. For today's episode, I warmly welcome Lucy Antrobus. Lucy is the founder of Refugee Voices, an NGO that works to empower refugees and other marginalized groups through self-confidence, storytelling, and capacity-building programs. Now, you'll probably wonder why I'm interviewing Lucy for a business podcast. Well, talking with her about her approach and her results, I got inspired and thought about the opportunities there would be in applying a similar approach to the business world. So in this episode, I'll speak with Lucy about refugee voices, the power of storytelling, self-confidence, and how this can all be applied to business. Welcome to Fish in the Boardroom. Thank you, Andrea. I'm very excited to be here and to explore some of these beautiful conversations we've had around trust, confidence, and connection with you today. Fantastic. Lucy, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. So my name is Lucy Antrobus. I go by many names, but one of them is a human confidence catalyst. I'm the founder of an NGO named Refugee Voices, which unlocks potential of diverse communities and builds confidence in the refugee community. And I'm also recent co-founder of an ed tech startup, which is using the power of storytelling and gaming to educate children around inclusion. So you describe yourself as a human confidence catalyst. And that's quite an intriguing word. What does it mean to you and how does it show up in your work? So what that means to me is being enabled to catalyze the breathing to life of the existing potential and self-belief that people have buried deep down inside them and enable for their superpowers to come out and manifest in their behaviors and actions. Um, so how this shows up in my work with refugees, to give you some context, Refugees are people who've come from all around the world, from Afghanistan to Venezuela to Syria to Iraq, a really very international group of people from all walks of life and background. And in journeying to Europe, they've typically been through some kind of struggle or trauma and have had to use immense courage and resilience to get to Europe. Now, in the process of arriving in a new country, say Switzerland, they lose their social meta capital, financial resources. There's usually cultural shock in not speaking the local language and they face problems like unemployment uh, upon starting in their new journey in their new country. Now, 
as we know, in parallel worlds, unemployment and change of culture, these are all factors which you can can affect your self-confidence. And so in a way, refugees are a really interesting uh, group of people to learn from because they're one type of extreme because they've had the culture shock, the unemployment, the loss of resources all at the same time. And so I, in a way, in my journey as a confidence catalyst, have experienced immense growth in learning from them as community about how do we catalyze and unlock the potential and build back up the confidence of people who've gone through an extremism and suffering. And so this manifests in my work by the work that we do is centered around enabling refugees to have regained belief in themselves. Then after having this belief and seeing themselves as value, to then see that they can positively influence their life. And thirdly, and finally, that they can contribute to society. So we see it as a win-win-win for for companies, for refugees themselves in regaining their dignity and employment prospects, and for society and community at large to be better integrated. And so how do you do that? How do you enable this confidence in these people? So in order to set the scene, I'm going to tell you some of the key phases of transformation that we take people to. And then I'll dig into what some of the concrete tools are that we use to do this. But first, what I want to mention is some of the ways that this work that we've done with the refugee community is not relevant just to refugees, but it's relevant to people in organizations all around the world. And there are three key trends that come up for this. One is, of course, what you do beautifully in this podcast is shining a light on the power and benefit of diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. The second is how COVID has accelerated um, the need for increased human connection in the workplace as we've become more isolated and separated by working from home. A related piece on this to do with COVID is actually the work and home have become much more blended. So we need to generate more tools that enable people to uh, enable to make the workplace more engaging. And thirdly and finally is the trend towards 21st century skills where we need people to have capacities like great communication, relationship building and creativity that manifests in their work beyond just their technical skills. And those three trends I see are relevant because these create this big need to, one, highlight one and celebrate, rise up the diversity we have in organizations and not allow it to sink back or have those people lose their voices. The second is the increased need for connection and trust through companies to provide what they're not getting when they're losing social capital by not going into the workplace. Um, so. I've mentioned things here, trust and connection. So let me dig into how does this now relate into the, the phases of transformation, for example, and what we do with the refugee community. So what we do with our groups, the first thing is enabling people to find their voice. The second thing is to own their story and reclaim their identity. And the third piece is once you've got that super powerful self that you're reconnected into, to use that for the benefit of yourself and also the people around you and society at large. So let me dig into those a little bit more. Finding your voice. There's a metaphor I'd like to use here, which is related to confidence building, which is uh, a big, wide ocean. At the top of the ocean, there's massive turbulence and waves that can be storms and all sorts of different things. But as you go deeper and deeper and deeper down into the ocean, there gets to increased area of calm, peace, and a sonic type experience. 
what we're looking for when we build the confidence of different people is to enable them to connect right deep down in their core where everything is still and peaceful so that when they're dealing with the daily firefighting crazies things that happen in life you are still able to connect to your presence and allow this confidence to manifest despite what comes out so finding your voice and owning your story we do through a process of what I call risk vulnerability scaling, and also the power of storytelling. So storytelling is part of this whole process. And how is it participating in the empowerment of people? So the storytelling enables the empowerment of people through, I'll call out three different ways. One is the journey that people go on whilst they're crafting and excavating their story because they're having to go back and explore and excavate their past and figure out what ingredients were transformative in how they see the world today. The second piece is how this can create by crafting this story and having to think about things like what is the message I want to share? What is the key moment in this? Um, and crafting an engaging story that you create an inspirational product that you can used to share with others to create connection, to create inspiration and challenge the narrative based on you as your identity, which could be refugee, it could be a person of color, it could be a woman in the workplace, working mother, many different opportunities there. And then the third piece that it does, storytelling, by sharing a story which is unique to you, very personal and requires immense vulnerability and strength to do so. Doing this, which you might never have done before or not in the last couple of years, then that can trigger this sort of growth mindset of I did this thing. I shared this piece of myself, which I've never dared to do before. I was seen by other people. I felt valued, appreciated, seen and caused inspiration in some cases. If I did that in the last couple of hours, the last couple of weeks, what can I do with the rest of my life? What are other challenges that I dare to step into? And, and as a result, that causes this shift in mindset of I dare to tackle things that I didn't believe were possible for me before. And so I start to see an expanded vision of my life. Do you have an example of, uh, of, of such a process or the impact this has had on someone? Absolutely. So a past colleague of mine named Jenny went through this process with us and in the process of uh, tapping into her confidence and sharing her, her kind of vulnerability in her stories, she, um, to set the scene at the time, Jenny had lost custody of her kids. And as a mother who at that point, her working career had become her identity as a mother, it was immensely difficult for her seeing in a way her whole identity take away from her and her kind of life crumbling uh, with the, also the love and care that she gave her children. And in one session, she said, if I can show this confidence to the courts, then I can get my kids back. And sure enough, three months later, she had her kids back, glowing mother. And then also on top of that, took on new professional opportunities, upskilled herself, became our program leader, eventually creative director. And so it went forth. And that was really her sharing some of her vulnerability and her story about what had happened to her and repurposing into a strength and a power um, that she could use to use that in the courts and regain custody of her kids. That's very uh, inspiring. And it, it it's really interesting how uh, this example shows how you bring a, a personal life story also into your work, right? You, you are overcoming story 
and the strength you build to overcome the personal challenges also have an effect on on your professional uh, life as well in in this story. So very much appreciate that. However, how do you see this concretely applicable in in business contexts? Right. Well, it's it's in a way very easy and very simple, but simplicity can often be overlooked. Well, in a way, this kind of transformational shift can take place with only a matter of a couple of hours. Now, we do sessions, for example, a three-hour workshop, and inside of that, we're doing this methodology I refer to as risk vulnerability scaling. So it's starting very, very simply and easily and having people exchange about something as simple as their name. So they're fully in their comfort zone, but you're adding a little bit of extra spice. So this is maybe the origin of their name or what it means. And you're adding a little bit of flavor or dynamism through them expressing that in a bodily manifestation or a gesture. And this is very, people are in their comfort zone. This is feeling playful and it's generating positivity, uh, strong kind of joyful emotions fun now this fun lights up the brain gets your endorphins flowing and from that space you become more open to trying new and different things so the next piece we might do is dig into in smaller groups of this as high energy dynamic of people exchanging on things they love to do such as their hobby it might be that they love painting the person loves football and it's just listening to each other and connecting human to human which causes this again joyful experience or behavior now when you have people really connecting on a different level than they have before this creates this amazing energy of human connection and positivity and from that space as a leader you're able to guide and take people into slightly more vulnerable terrain and there's a point where we might explore and look at where were key moments of transition or transformation in a person's life. And as they feel more at ease, having connected on simple things, they start to go deeper. And it's when this exchange of expressing something deeper through storytelling, vulnerability is shared, and you get that real sense of deep human connection. Refugees might talk about how their house was blown up or how they nearly were drowned when they crossed the, the Mediterranean or, or, or how their two parents have died. It, it requires maintaining this balance of you need to be heard, but I want you to express yourself in a powerful way because it's not about the past. This is about taking the past and repurposing it into something that you can use as a tool and an asset for your future. So some of the ingredients there is starting really simple, leveraging human interaction dynamics. And by the end of the session, once you've got the people's trust, you've got that great energy created, getting people to go more vulnerable and then step out of their comfort zone. But this happens in a small time scale and is a highly iterative process. So when someone steps out of that comfort zone, you enforce them with positive encouragement and so that they keep practicing whatever skills they're growing. And, and that's where perhaps I'll, I'll come, come back to what my personal definition of confidence is. In my eyes, confidence is the practiced manifestation of self-belief. So it, it's not a static thing. It has momentum to it. It grows, it evolves, and you need to feed it and practice it. And in a way, that's what we do. And I'll talk about some of the kind of tools, the muscles of expression, as I call them in a moment, which enable people to continue to practice and create this momentum around their own personal confidence or personal um, self-expansion journey. And there's a beautiful quote which says, the only limitless potential in the world is human potential. So I believe that people have the inherent tools and a well pool of creativity when you put diverse 
eclectic different minds together. So I see my role very much as catalyzing the first part of this piece to happen. Um, once people feel safe to exchange, they feel connected, confident to each other, express themselves to feel seen, then you have an immense whirlpool of creativity which starts bubbling out the surface. And that's where I can activating or overcoming the barrier to this human activation energy to get people from a state of inertia of where they don't dare to a place where they dare, they're being courageous and and then giving them tools to keep that up. Do you have an example of, of someone who's used that force to, to better their lives? I've got many examples. So the question is, which one? Um, perhaps I'll put out two. One, uh, a young man who was from Syria, aged around 45 years old, and he came up to me at the end of a session and he said, Lucy, this morning was a, I was a broken person and I am a whole new confident man. And this is the most important day in my three and a half years in Switzerland because he saw that as the beginning of his integration in society into many things. And he'd been living in Switzerland for three and a half years. So that's a small snapshot of the beginning of his journey. And another one that comes to mind is, a, in fact, a colleague of mine who I see as immensely inspirational and powerful, wise human, who also has a disability. She was rendered paraplegic um, just a month or so before her 15th birthday. And in doing the work she does with us, she used her experience of trauma and the repercussions of having a paraplegic condition and health that caused heart surgery, brain surgery, caused many different things and health complications, that by empowering others to repurpose their struggle into strength by doing so and taking that role on she was able to empower herself and increase that sense of the value that she had to bring when the world had caused her and her circumstance question herself now you mentioned that especially this first step is um is really simple and and still in people's comfort zones now for me, what you're describing is not in my comfort zone, even that first level. And I'm actually thinking of, of organizations in Switzerland where that might also be quite, uh, quite difficult to show this level of vulnerability. So have you been working with, with any companies and have you brought this to any organizations, this, this concept? And what's um, the response you've had from them? Uh, yes. I'll give you an example or a couple of examples in a moment. I think the first important piece to draw out is well, this is group work. So you're we're leveraging a group of it doesn't matter really how many people. But the quote that really comes to mind for me is courage is contagious. So if you were in a group or room of people and one person dared to be the first to step up to share their name or the origin of something really simple, that creates this kind of contagious courage that I want to try or I'm going to dare because that person has given me strength. Uh, because we don't need when we start everybody to be ready. We just need one person to be willing to dare. And then, of course, adjust the level to the comfort zone and do this kind of rapid iteration of slowly increasing the comfort zone level and that's really important to me and I think it's also different to mindsets or mantras which are pushed out just like get right out in your comfort zone I feel like if you're thrown out into your comfort zone like a slinky or something elastic band you can ping right back and be more fearful of getting out there but if you go step by step and 
practice the the skills that you've learned on the way that means that once you get to out of your comfort zone it's just a step away from your comfort zone rather than being right, right out there and so for companies i work as a consultant with high impact and usually multicultural or international organizations one so for example un high commissioner for refugees and in this team these are change makers these are community leaders it's the global leadership team for people out there uh, working with different groups of refugees whether in refugee camps or whether at their kind of corporate uh, strategic headquarters and we we did this kind of work together and we had the sense of some of the impacts of the team members were things like i feel more able now to resolve problems under pressure or I never feel so connected to my peers who we have an international team, one's in Somalia, one's in Ethiopia, one's in Nigeria, and enable this international team to come together and connect. They felt like they'd all met each other in person, even though this was all taking place on Zoom. Um, so increase the motivation on the team, increase the understanding about where the different people are coming from, and it increased their individual confidence or self-esteem. Now, for leaders, this is essential because if you've got to get out there and represent, then the more powerful and confident you feel in your abilities, that is going to manifest in the impact that you have with people around you. So by enabling the change makers to feel more confident in their capabilities, they were better equipped with a bigger toolkit to go and empower the, the refugees and communities that they worked with. So that is one example. Do you have a contrasting example? Sure. So a contrasting example I'm going to give is one with a group of master students at the Graduate Institute of Geneva. So this is now people who are upcoming in the careers versus those who are more established. The first group I spoke about would be between 30 and 50 years old. And this group were young students, typically in their 20s. We did a, a confidence boosting session. And I said at the end of the session, so what is the impact of this experience for you today? And one of the examples came from a, a girl who was from India who said, I feel comfortable here. And another anecdote came from a girl who came from Northern Africa, from the Côte d'Ivoire, and she said, I feel seen. Now, this is super, super simple, but it gets me super excited because if you can imagine somebody, when you enter a business room, uh, we can all imagine as we've been in environments, maybe there have been, uh, we've been outnumbered by the other gender. There have been lots of men or there have been lots of women and something makes us feel not quite comfortable and feeling not comfortable there or not feeling seen maybe to express ourselves when you feel comfortable in your skin and in the environment or you feel you can be seen and acknowledged it shifts the way that you show up in the world and for some of those women so both of those women were women of color and I get very excited about that when we can enable that the people of different backgrounds who are typically marginalized are given a voice and a platform and that they inject that beautiful diversity into our ecosystems to ultimately create a more innovative and dynamic world. So in the business setting, who would you feel this workshop or this work is for? So I can think of a number of groups. I spoke about leadership teams because of their potential to cascade this culture and environment and, and motivation and as a result with the rest of their organization. But let's call out some specific types of teams. So one would be a team who's perhaps um, majority women-led or looking to enhance the voices of 
women or people of color or other types of diversity demographics in their team. That's one example. A second example would be teams who are looking to include modern leadership styles, feminist styles of leadership, factoring in empowerment and inclusion. And a third area I would say is just teams who want to perform at their best, high performance teams who want to feel super connected, who when crisis strikes, they're super resilient, they know how to handle it, they respond in a way like a family. And more broadly to that, I would say, if I think about the type of people who I want to have as my superiors, I want to have role models. I want my boss to be someone who I look up to and I will become like in the future. And the people who have been those kind of people for me in, in my life, they've, they've shown their trust and their belief in me and they've empowered me in some way. And so in a way, this is like a toolkit for a team to enable that level of empowerment so that you can have a kind of organization that you dream about, not just that you're willing to accept. So how can we give a voice to diversity as a single person or as a company? So there's lots of different ways. There's allyship, there's mentorship, there's sponsorship of diverse talent. And talking a little bit more about this, what I see is kind of the foundation building blocks for confidence for people to show up. This is a way that both sides can have a voice, but also be more understood by the other. So Drawing back to the example I spoke about earlier, if you have different people sharing a story of their life or some formative moment that may have taken place professionally or personally, then that enables the person to connect with their strengths. But also for somebody, let's say a, a white man who's experiencing a woman of color sharing their story, for that other person to realize or see, wow, all the things that person has overcome and, and the strengths and assets that they bring to the organization. So it's in a way a pull factor of enabling people to come to their own conclusions around the power of the value of diversity rather than it being kind of shoved down an organization's throat. You're exposing the beauty of the diversity rather than looking at it purely as a metric. So that's kind of connected to, to my work and the catalysis piece. And on top of that, I get very excited about when you have everybody showing up as their full selves, then more ideas are shared. Uh, more ideas are challenged, are developed, and we can explore more innovative solutions to world problems. Um, because no matter who you are, looking at one object, you're going to see and observe different things. And, and that means that the more crazy and different your background, typically, the more different you observe things. And creativity is leveraged off what we can see and imagine. So by observing the world differently, you can build a different looking world. And, and that's what I'm looking for is to build a world where we've got diverse styles of leadership accepted. We've got a nice mix of men, women, different types of people in power, and that we're actively looking to solve the world's problems in a sustainable way, rather than happy to accept just the status quo. That's fantastic. That's, that's really nice. Now, we have all experienced this, a situation where a colleague's voice is not heard during a meeting, even if they have really brilliant ideas. Do you have any tips for us what we can do to raise their voices? Yes, absolutely. On on the broader context, of course, there's there's training and uh, confidence that you can do as a team or as individuals. But then for specific, in the specific scenario, what could you do? So one of them, if we imagine the scenario in the meeting, let's say your colleague's name is Sally. Um, one of them is 
in the meeting saying, calling that person out and saying, I think Sally has some great ideas I'd, I'd really like to hear about. So you're encouraging your kind of rep sounding for their voice. And that gives them um, an increased opportunity to speak when they felt maybe they've not been included. So that's one one way. Um, another way might be in terms of behind the scenes before the meeting or after a previous meeting saying, hey, Sally, I've heard you've had some really great ideas. Perhaps, you know, next meeting we have with the group, you can step forward and share them. So you're encouraging them to do that. Or after they do share, that's where the positive reinforcement comes and say, I thought you shared some really great ideas in the meeting. Well done for stepping out there to encourage them to keep repeating that positive behavior. And the third way that comes into my mind, which is doing a bit of role playing, which if the colleague comes and says, I struggle, I, I get a bit upset, is taking that person and doing some practice with them. And what that usually does is with the practice that reduces the sense of stress and risk and makes it slightly easier because their body has been practiced as muscle memory. So I refer to the muscles of expression. And these three muscles, <laughs> three, three groups of muscles in a way that I refer to as one is your voice. Two is your body and three is your emotions. So the first thing is kind of what I talked about before, owning your story, connecting to that. So you know what you want to say, you know what you represent in the world, and then you go and do it. The, the second is the body is how that message is transmitted or comes across to the people around you and uh, and how the role that the body can play in communicating and distributing this message of yours. And then the the third piece is your emotions, how you're showing up, if you're showing up happy, if you're showing up sad, what kind of aggressive, what kind of emotions do you bring into that? And I think if people can gain mastery of their own tools of expression or muscles of expression, that really makes you become a more increasingly powerful person. And one of the reasons I love that, I love the muscles of expression is they're accessible to everybody. Now, you've shared some really great insights and, and tools with us. And I'm sure that anyone who wants to even start getting inspired and, and maybe even implementing some of your ideas might want to get in touch with you. So how can they do that? And what's the best way for this? In summary, it's uh, LinkedIn, Lucy Antropus, and Refugee Voices or Ecoland. And I'll share the links in, in the notes. Perfect. Thank you, Lucy. Thanks so much for having me, Andrea. It's been a pleasure. This was Fish in the Boardroom. I hope this episode inspired you to take action. And if you're willing to share, I'd love to hear what you're putting into place and what challenges you have, whether they're big or small. Each action matters. And to help you get started with your inclusion journey, I put together some selected resources that are relevant in a Swiss context. Visit fishintheboardroom.ch to download this tool and sign up to my newsletter to be notified when new episodes are released. As always, if you enjoy the show, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and share the episode with colleagues, peers, friends, and family. Fish in the Boardroom is produced by me, Andrea Ullman. Music is by Patrick Patricius. Mm-hmm.